This is your Comedia Podcast with Vladimir Proknevsky, session number 63. Here we go. Well, hello, you Comedia family. Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 63 of the Comedia Podcast, where I serve our Comedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. And today's guest is Casey Latchelet. Now, Casey is an art director at Buck Los Angeles. He is also a lover of pups, outside, and motorbikes. Casey, welcome to the show, and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Thanks, Vladimir. It's awesome to be here. This is such a good uh, podcast. Uh, big fan. Appreciate it. So, something that people may or may not know about me, it depends on if you've done a Google search of me, then you probably know it, uh, <laughs> but... So in 2016, I designed the uh, Trump chicken that was an inflatable thing uh, by the White that House. That was you. And, yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my it was gosh. Like, it was like my 15 seconds of fame sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was like before he was even president. So I was, it was a Chinese company that they had asked me to design something for the year of the rooster. And uh, they saw some other design that I made that was like Trump related making fun of him. And uh, so they kind of like pointed out to that one and said like, hey, can you do something kind of like this? And I was like, I see what you're going for. All right. <laughs> so how, how much publicity did he get? Yeah, I mean, it was all over the place. It was, it, was, it was insane. So it's like I designed it, I think, in maybe October, September 2016. And then nothing came about it for months. And then January of 2017, they built this statue and like, you know, there's a language barrier when you're working with a Chinese company, like they kept staying statue, but I kept thinking like, maybe it's going to be like one of those things in like, like a little mascot in a mall or something like that. Like <laughs> someone's going to wear like a costume and then it's like 33 feet tall or something like Holy that. that wow. I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. So that was on CNN. And then it was uh, like, I don't think it was the, it wasn't front page of the New York Times, but it was in the New York Times. And my name was on there. So I was like, what? This is pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. And I, I know that it has, like a, you have its, it has like its own personal Twitter account now too, right? Yeah. Uh, that is not me that's doing that sort of stuff. Oh, really? Uh, but yeah, it, it's sort of taking a life of its own. Like I just did the design <laughs> and it's like I've been talking to some of these people that, you know, they keep up with it and do a bunch of stuff with it. And so I'm just, I'm just like watching like a proud parent from the sidelines so that's like, hilarious you, man. you go little boy well in case you like a little celebrity now man that's that's hilarious wow a quiet celebrity. <laughs> yeah i'm happy with that <laughs> i like my privacy <laughs> no no i don't blame you man i'm sure you'll probably be getting hate mail yeah exactly <laughs> that's not the kind of celebrity you want to be really. <laughs> yeah politics and religion that doesn't yeah two exactly that, you know well, might get you killed if you're not too careful, especially if you're like in Eastern Bloc. Oh my gosh, witnesses don't live long. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, now let's talk about your journey, Casey. <laughs> now, uh, let's, let's start from the very beginning, man. How'd you get started in your craft? So I went to school at a, it's not a small school in Tennessee. It's Middle Tennessee State University. It's right outside of Nashville. And I went to school yeah. for, yeah, I went to school for uh, business. And I didn't know design was a thing. My high school only had art one and art two. So design wasn't really like a career path they were pushing. So I met some friends in college that were in like the film department. Most of them did not like to edit or do visual effects. 
So it was something that I was like, sure, I'll do it. I like hanging out with you guys. I want to be friends. So I did that. So I had a lot of fun. Actually, we made a lot of short comedies, did some lightsaber effects before Andrew Kramer showed us all how it was done. So after I graduated, I was pretty convinced that I was going to get a job in a cubicle doing something I hated. I had accepted a job at a bank, went through the whole interview process, gotten the job. Then before I started that, I somehow walked into this really tiny, pretty crappy production company. And they offered me a job as a production assistant. So I told the bank, like, sorry, guys, I'm going to go work over here instead. <laughs> this seems way more fun. So I worked doing VHS dubs, general gopher stuff. And after a while, they found out I could edit, shoot, do visual effects, and all this on a $20,000 a year salary. So that was pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> That's a steal. What can I say? Yeah, like right. <laughs> no joke. So this is like, this is 2008. And the, economy tanked. So this company, they were like, we can't have you as a full-time employee anymore. So I was like, well, that was fun for a little bit. And then I just went freelance. It was a small market in Memphis, Tennessee. So being freelance there, I learned a lot of time management, business skills, people skills. So it was probably one of the best times to be thrown into the fire with that because a boy got to eat and I just had to figure it all out. So you know, after that, I just kind of like Worked at different production companies and then just kind of made my way to where I am now. Wow. What a journey, man. Now, are you from Tennessee? Not originally. I I like to say I'm not really from anywhere because I was born in Louisiana and then moved around a lot. Like, uh, I've kind of been all over the place except for the East Coast. (laughs) So, like, I'm not really from anywhere, which a lot of people ask, like, like, oh, you don't have an accent. And I'm like, thank you. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> no, you're like me. You're, you're truly an immigrant. You've been everywhere. Yeah. I was about to say, that's, that's not a Tennessee accent, man. I live right, in yeah. <laughs> they, they called me Vladimir. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. My parents still live there. So it's interesting going back All there. Right. I'm like, wow, because I live in California now. So it's like, it seems like there's no accent here, but I'm sure to people in Tennessee, it's very pronounced. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a stark <laughs> contrast when you go back home. Oh, for sure. Now, Casey, let's transition to a uh, dark moment in your life, man. I want you to tell us the story of your worst moment in your creative journey. So take it away. Don't hold back any punches, man. The mic is yours. So after I, I told you I was freelance and I bounced around to a couple different, you know, production companies as a motion designer, there was this place that I moved to in St. Louis called Bruton Stroby. It was just an amazing place to work. They were just starting up a video department and I was the motion designer that was coming in. Such amazing talent. They did amazing stuff. Everyone was so freaking talented at all the stuff they were producing. Had so many friends. I was happy, but I was missing that collaboration with other motion designers since I was the only one there. So a friend of mine, he took a job at Amazon in Seattle as a creative director So I thought the opportunity to work with some more people in my field sounded exciting. So I interviewed for that, which was such a pain in the ass, uh, the Amazon interview process. I got the job, moved up to Seattle, and then I quickly realized that this was not the place that I was meant to be. I wasn't working with anyone that was doing what I wanted. There was so much bureaucracy. And I just kind of like entered a really dark place. And it was, I just thought it was such a terrible decision to like, why, like I left this place that was so great and I was doing great things and, and I was just missing this one element. Like, why did I do this? Why did I change my entire life? I eventually found people at Amazon that, you know, I could kind of like 
collect with. And then I changed teams and kind of moved around and met some really good friends and met the talented people that were there. They were just kind of hidden. So it was like, it was rough for a little bit, but it, it took some, you know, real struggle. Yeah. sounds like struggle was real for you there. Now let's shift yeah. gears and let's talk about something positive and tell us the story of the best moment in your creative journey. So this is the part where you get to brag about you, man. So Casey, take it away. Yeah, I'm so terrible at bragging about myself. I downplay, <laughs> I'll downplay my own accomplishments. <laughs> uh, but it was definitely when I got the Buck offer letter. So I work at Buck in Los Angeles. And I was still working at Amazon at the time in Seattle. Things had kind of gotten bad on the team I was on. There was like some backstabbing that happened. And my boss, Sarah Rolston, was, who's amazing, uh, she was sort of forced out of her role. And her team was kind of scattered everywhere. So I was like, I need to get out. Like, time to go. So my sister had a job that she had just gotten in LA and I went down, helped her with her apartment hunting and move and stuff like that. And it was the first time I had been to LA and I, I just, I fell in love. So the stark contrast to like the gray of Seattle, that was like, <laughs> Oh, I need that sunshine. That's what's going on. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So of course I'd been a fan of Buck for forever. So I never thought they would even entertain my application so at the time, I was interviewing for Facebook and like another senior role at Amazon. And uh, once a buck offer letter came in, I was like, uh, I'm out. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> so it was like just the thought of the company that I've been looking up to and the individuals that were there that I've idolized for close to a decade saw me as being one of them and being worthy to be there was probably the greatest moment that I've had so far. Man, that's sweet. And I think... I think a total with you included, I think I've interviewed now five people from Buck. So That's crazy. I think J.R. Knest, uh, Mr. Black. Oh, yeah, yeah. Person. So all kinds of people that have. So yeah, Buck is definitely, uh, if you're working at Buck, you're, you're, you're talented. <laughs> That's yeah, why so when many... I saw you, I was like, man, I want to have this guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, the, I feel like the stuff that I bring to Buck is not like, I don't think I'm as good of an artist as a lot of people that are there, but like, that's fine. I've had like a crazy career and like being in corporate and, you know, being freelance and being able to talk to clients. So it's like, they always put me on client calls and stuff like that. And like, I'm happy to take the brunt of, you know, doing that kind of stuff. If it means the artists can be a little more relaxed with stuff. It's true. Whatever it takes. Now, Casey, let's transition to a quick Q and a round. I think I have a total of like six questions for you. And the first question what should artists, especially students, be doing constantly, whether it's on daily basis or just as much as possible? Uh, I, I mean, I would definitely say go out and meet people. The, it's, it's, I lived in a small market where you couldn't, um, like there wasn't much of a community. So I was kind of feverishly trying to like get out to any meetups. You know, there was no motion designers in Memphis. It was like five in the whole city maybe, but there was a lot of designers. So it's like I would go to design meetups and try and talk to people there and, you know, just try and get some creative inspiration because especially for students right now, like I'm working with so many, uh, they, they were interns and now they're full time at Buck that, you know, they came from SCAD or Ringling and the connections that they made in school is pretty much what got them the job. Like they're very talented and everything, but there's so many talented people but, you know, the connections that they made has what is, is what's gotten them the job, you know, and being nice to people and figuring out how to just talk to people. You know, it's so true. It's all about who you know and who knows you, most importantly. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. <laughs> if people know you, you'll go to high places. Now, second question. If you could give one piece of advice to aspiring designers and animator, animators, what would it be? 
I think we're all kind of riddled with some sort of social anxiety. <laughs> and that's <laughs> so true. Yeah. So the best advice I could give is when you're inevitably asked out to go to karaoke, just pick a queen song. That way everyone <laughs> is going to sing along with you and you don't have to say, no, but seriously, uh, uh, I had an old boss at Burton Stroby. He said, just hire talented people and get them to do what they do best. And that resonated really well with me because that just means you don't have to do everything. For my entire career, I was trying to do like every aspect of design. And like a good example is I was trying to do typography for a long time and I did okay, but it was like super hard. I was always struggling. I felt like I was copying someone else. And I met my partner and saw how easily she does typography. And then I realized I was like, oh, this isn't for me. I'm trying way too hard. I should focus on other areas that are really appealing to me and that come very naturally to me. And so I feel like I'm finally starting to establish my style after like 11 years in the industry because I, I'm starting to focus on what I'm able to do best. Oh, that's well said, man. And uh, third question, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I, I love troubleshooting stuff. And I think uh, I work in Cinema 4D all the time and 3D as a whole. And I just motion design takes a lot of troubleshooting. And right now, uh, we just bought a house in LA that's 60 years old. So it's like I'm finding myself fixing lots of stuff around the house. And I'm like, this is kind of fun. Like, uh, so I have a motorcycle that's one that's a couple years old and one that's like 1979 Honda. Wow. And I'm always fixing it. And so the satisfaction that I get whenever I like fix something on that where I'm like, I'm the smartest man in the world. Uh, and I just, think, I just think a mechanic would kind of be a fun job or like some sort of handyman or something like that. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I come from, a, from Kiev, Ukraine. So I lived in the city all my life. I'm not like a handyman and uh, never thought I would be one until I moved to the United States. And well, thanks to YouTube, because of YouTube, man, I can fix anything. No joke. I, I change brakes, uh, you know, oil and brake pads and just all kinds of stuff now. And I actually made like, six benches out of from oh that's like awesome yeah woodworking and, is so satisfying dude isn't it? i love it it's so relaxing like yeah just, it's just you in the garage and dude yeah. i i enjoyed it so much so when you said yeah, that it really is there's something like tactile about it that you know you you don't get when you're just working on a computer the whole time it's, it's peaceful and you're out yeah. you're kind of like not staring at the computer so it gives your mm -hmm. eyes a little break you're focusing on things that are actually physical and they're not just like this screen that has light radiating you know so yeah. i enjoyed it it was peaceful and i would actually i have like the noise blocking headphones for like oh, knowing nice. i would listen to podcasts too so as i'm working on stuff i dude it was therapeutic that sounds amazing awesome. yeah it's it's also i hate working out too which you know is really good for your mental state but <laughs> yeah. i hate doing it but I, i'd love doing physical activities like that and there's nothing better than it's like yeah you built this one thing and your muscles are sore you're like yes I am a man. <laughs> you come up to your wife and say, babe, you yeah. go to bed with a champion. <laughs> I told her the other day because I fixed something in the sink when I was left plumbing. I was like, it's not leaking anymore. And I was like, I think I am the top 20 smartest man in the world. Uh, so you're welcome. <laughs> and, you, and you mentioned motorcycles. Now, my first job out of college was well, more like an internship. I worked in Maggie Valley, North Carolina for this guy. His name is Dale Waxler. This dude owns like, I want to say like 400 antique motorcycles. Like it's a Jeez, motorcycle museum. And he has awesome. like 
like old knuckleheads. That's where, you know, I've come from Ukraine and speak the language until like early 2000. So I didn't know what knucklehead meant. I mean, I mean, I knew what people, when people would call you knucklehead, I knew it wasn't anything nice. Yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> so working on bikes, filming, like just film this knucklehead. I'm like, what is, who, uh... who's knucklehead? <laughs> but anyway, I only then realized they're referring to engines anyway, but yeah. it was really cool. Uh, motorcycles, dude, I've watched people put together engines and, uh, and I got to record that and got to learn how to, it was really cool, man. That was. Uh, is it ever something you're interested in with like riding or anything like that? Dude, I'm scared it, of them, man. I'm yeah, I, I was too. I only started riding a few years ago and um, LA is definitely not the place to learn. <laughs> right, right. So I was like, I'm glad I, learned, glad I learned somewhere else. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I would love to, but I'm just so scared. So many accidents happen. It's kind of like yeah, owning have, guns. You have kids too. It's a, it's a little... Yeah. It's a little tougher. Like I don't have, I have a dog and, and uh, a lady, you know, <laughs> like I don't have, not that, not that they don't need me, you know, but it, it is a little, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. yeah, no, but one of these days I, I might get into it. Maybe it'll start with like a little virtual, <laughs> virtual motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. I'll just go in the, just go off road, like go in the dirt or something like that. It's no, much less likely you'll get hurt. Seriously, that's probably start like four wheeling first, and, yeah, yeah. and then just three wheeling. Don't they have like motorcycles that like? Have I don't know if I do three wheelers. My dad had a three wheeler, and that thing flipped all the oh. time. Like that's so dangerous. Oh wow! Never mind. Let's skip that. Yeah, don't do that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I definitely have to look into it. But dude, those things are scary. I'm I'm, I'm scared of uh, just totally hidden ditch or something because that happened to me in the car before. You hit a ditch, like you get a flat tire. But imagine if you're on the on a bike and you hit a ditch like in the, or like a little whole pothole or something um, that can, I mean, that's a, that's a trip to the hospital or you or morgue really. <laughs> You're not careful. Yeah. Stick to the trails, I guess. I, I don't know. I've never done off-road riding. Uh, so I, I really don't know what to tell you for that one, but I've wanted to practice like wheelies and, I definitely don't want to do that on the street. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just want to take a bike to the, like a empty dirt field and try that. Cause it's like, I'm, not risk averse, but you know, I want, I want to stay alive. <laughs> yeah. And you can really, where you live, you can probably go to the desert, like Palm Springs yeah, or totally. something and yeah. just uh, ride around there. Anyway, back to the podcast, back to the question. <laughs> Share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. I talked to this uh, about this earlier, but it, it's really just meeting new people and making new connections. And I've done this for, you know, ever like unintentionally over my career and it's not with the intention of getting something from someone it because I feel like that always comes off super transparent so I just like being a social butterfly and that's led to lasting friendships and just amazing opportunities dude I hear you and you know what's doing a podcast especially I will start a daily podcast in May this is a great opportunity to to talk to creatives like you and getting to know people, you know, so it's, it's, uh, I've interviewed like 62 people now. So I feel like I made 62 friends, man. That was kind of cool. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, we're on opposite coasts. So it's like, it's true. how else would we have really met unless it was, you know, meeting somewhere in the middle or something like that. So this is, this is awesome. I no, love this. Definitely great. Uh, great way to connect with people. And uh, let's see, fifth question. Where do you get your inspiration from? It's, it's honestly over just drinking with friends. <laughs> I, I have this, I have this list of dumb ideas that I have on my phone that I've had for, I don't know, six or seven years or something like that. But it just comes from like kind of getting drunk and laughing hysterically at something. And most of them <laughs> are not winners, but there are some good ones in there. And, uh, I, I like some. bringing, I, I have put a couple of them out, but you know, some of them are, it's like, it works as a, they're, they're a little too ambitious. Do you remember, here, here's just one. Do you remember 
E.T. when they remastered it and replaced the guns with walkie-talkies? Yeah. Okay. So I I thought it would be really funny if the NRA sponsored a re-release, re-re-release of E.T., but they replaced all the walkie-talkies with guns. So they're talking into guns the whole time. (laughs) So, like, there's no walkie-talkies in the entire thing and everything is a gun. Uh, So, like, there's no way I'm going to do that. But if anyone wants it, you can do it. <laughs> no copyright on that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, last question, recommend an internet resource that you find helpful in your work and personal life. I've been really liking Behance uh, over the last few years. Dude, I love Behance. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of the only social media I like now. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Am I allowed to go on an Instagram rant right now? Sure. Yeah. Take it away, <laughs> man. I feel like we're all on Instagram because we have to. I don't. I don't think it's really fun. You know, it's, it feels more like work. Everyone I've talked to is like, you know, when they post something like, oh, I have to post three that look like this now. And it's like, yo, this doesn't sound like fun. Well, you know, I see so much stuff on beautiful on Instagram, but it just feels like a chore. And I talked about my partner who uh, she does typography. Marla makes stuff if anyone wants to uh, follow her. She gets upset when her follower counts go down or like she feels like she has to do a certain style because it performs well rather than, you know, it's something that she enjoys. And like, I think thankfully she's like starting to get out of that. Like she's more and more lately. She's like, I don't care, whatever. I'm just going to post what I want. <laughs> but it, it does. It seems like a chore more than anything else. Interesting you say that. Wow. Now I will not look at Instagram the same. Every, <laughs> I'm not really <laughs> on social media anyway. Like it is a chore for me just to go up there and post things. Like I'm always reminded, you know, being a business owner, and uh, run your media. Yeah, I always feel like I have to, to stay relevant. Exactly. You kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. And it does. You're right. It, it is kind of actually right before I hopped on the call with you. My wife was like, "Oh, you should post this and that," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, "Oh yeah, I need to find time to do that." Like, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It I, like I mean, like, I, f- I feel like Behance. It's like I'm gonna post this when it's ready. You know, mm. like I want. It's almost like updating your own website. But I mean, like you and I, I feel like are in a comfortable enough position that it's like we're already out there you know like Mm -hmm. when it comes to instagram that's how most people get started and like i don't know how to grow a following on on, like elsewhere you know like my behance grew naturally and it's like i have a comfortable amount of followers on that and it's you know i posted things and those are the kind of things that got me the job at buck so like take it with a grain of salt if you want to use Instagram, like I'm not going to yuck your yum, but you know, I just, I feel like it's a chore for me and it's, yeah, I feel like I I have to do it to stay relevant. So, well, and numbers in general too, like that's a, if you attach your identity on numbers, man, you're, you're, you're in for, for a treat down the road. It's true. It's so true. And it's like, it's so addicting once you get to that, because it's like, uh, I have to keep, I have to maintain this. And it's like, if there's a new social media, you're like, well, I don't want to jump on this new one when I have this going. It, yeah, it sucks. I hate that. No, I, I can see social media rehabs in the near future. I'm sure they already have mm-hmm. some. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely something that's destroying families, destroying relationships, destroying yeah. attention span. Really, everyone's like totally refreshing constantly. So it, I'm. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out. <laughs> say that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Now, what's what's exciting coming up for you? I saw that you were at NAB presenting. That's pretty cool. I saw that session. I was. Is any, anything else coming up for you? Any presentations you're doing in your future? I would love, I have to talk to Matthias uh, to see if he wants me there, but I would love to do Seagraph if, if Maxon wants to have me back. I have to come up with all brand new stuff to talk about, but it is NLA, so it would be really easy. Otherwise, not really too much on the horizon as far as like 
plan stuff, just kind of grinding away at Buck right now and making sure everyone's happy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Keep them happy. Now, last question. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you? So I am on Instagram, on, <laughs> uh, which is uh, Kslat, C-A-S-E-L-A-T. Uh, you can also, same same thing, Kslat.com or on Behance at slash Kslat. That's pretty much it. I, I really, I can't keep up with Twitter, so I've just decided, no. Giving up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear you, man. Too much, too many accounts, too many social media things. Yeah, it really is. With, man. Yeah. Oh man, soon we're just going to have uh, smoke signals like the Native Americans or something. Oh, that'd be cool, man. I'm all about reverting back. Let's go off the grid. <laughs> That's true, man. You'll be the only one. You'll get all the yeah. attention, right? I figured Who's, out how to make art signal? in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> man, sounds like a challenge. You know somebody's going to take this and run with it, man. We I better, hope so. We better cop- yeah, have some kind of copyright thing going. <laughs> well, Casey, man, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, man. I really appreciate this. This was fun. Thank you, Vladimir. Man, it was great. It was great talking to you. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Casey Latchley. Casey, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Now, make sure to check out Casey's work at caselat.com. Again, it's caselat.com, spelled C-A-S-E-L-A-T.com. And as always, all the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 63. And while you're there, check out our After Effects courses and products. Also, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com slash community. We have well over 3,000 members in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of Secret Media Podcast. Bye-bye.